from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services, USA. This is Catholic Military Life, the official podcast of the Archdiocese. Here now, your moderator, Public Affairs Director, Taylor Henry. Thank you, Elizabeth Lasal. It is my special privilege to be talking to Father Michael J. Cerrone III, a veteran of the United States Army, former Army chaplain, retired, and who has just sent the Archdiocese for the Military Service a substantial contribution. Welcome, Father Cerrone. Thank you very much for having me. Well, uh, let's uh, start with the uh, generous donation that the uh, AMS, the Archdiocese for the Military Services, has received from you, a total of $50,000. Thank you. Oh, well, you're welcome. Uh, I, thanks be to God that I had the resources to do that. Well, the uh, AMS certainly needs it, particularly in the field of vocations. As you know as well as anyone, there's a huge chaplain shortage out there. And uh, our vocations office is making a big push to um, invite men to consider God's call to uh, the uh, vocation within a vocation to serve those who serve. What? Uh, what, what why did you decide to um, make this donation, Father? That goes back many years, actually. And very recently, I was uh, thinking about a donation and uh, a fellow priest here, civilian priest from the Philippines, in fact, had recently mentioned that he was supporting seminarians back in the Philippines from his probably uh, less substantial resources than, than we Army chaplains, especially those of us retired. So anyway, I got to thinking back to my vocation and to my early childhood. And um, first of all, I looked at my parents as being good Catholics. And my father re-entered the Army after the Second World War. I had been born in Philadelphia after, shortly after the war, Second World War. And then he re-entered and made a career out of the Army. So they were very devout uh, Catholics, my parents. My mother was a member of a sodality. And my father, uh, the Holy Name Society, which was much more prominent, I guess, in those two societies, Sodality of Our Lady and Holy Name Society for the men in the military. And my father had gone airborne, a paratrooper, and uh, he was, in fact, the very first uh, member of the St. Michael's Society for Paratroopers. Now, two Army chaplain priests, in fact, I mentioned them in my uh, memorial donation to the Archdiocese there, Father Francis L. Sampson and Father Joseph A. Natale. Father Sampson had been the division chaplain for the 11th Airborne Division, to which my father was assigned in Augsburg, Germany, uh, in from 1956 to 1959. The whole unit went from Fort Campbell, Kentucky, with family members, to Augsburg and Munich area in the southeast part of, of uh, Germany, Bavaria. So we lived there for about three and a half years in my grade school years. And Father Nat Father uh, Sampson was a division chaplain, and Father Natale was one of the airborne chaplains whom Father 
recommended frequently. Well, they came over to my home, my parents' home. My mother would prepare an Italian meal, Italian-American meal, occasionally maybe once or twice a quarter, every other month, every month. So I got to, and I would serve mass for this for the different priests, and especially for those two. Well, Father Sampson, the one, had been uh, an airborne chaplain in World War II with the 101st Airborne Division at that time. He jumped into Normandy on D-Day. He jumped into Holland. He was actually the priest that saved or located Private Ryan and the World or two uh, movie. Oh, really? Uh, movie. Yes, he, Father Francis Sampson, and he later became chief of army chaplains. So anyway, my father, being an airborne, uh, very devout, he was the first member of the St. Michael Society, Michael J. Cerrone, Jr. He was a young captain at that time. But Father uh, Sampson wrote a book called Look Out Below, and in that book, recounting his episodes in the, not only in World War II, but he also jumped a combat jump into Korea as a chaplain there. So these two priests, very zealous, very close to our family and affection and all, not having served Mass for them. I wanted to memorialize those two in particular. Father uh, Natali died quite young. He was an instructor in the chaplain school. I did not know it at that time. But where he was until much later on when I myself went to the uh, chaplain school. And the plaque had been moved from Fort Hamilton, I believe it was, a small post in the New York City area, over to Fort Monmouth in New Jersey. Now, of course, the chaplain school is closed. It was, it was moved over to, um, to Columbia, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. But I, I go back to that time when I was a boy, inspired by those chaplains, of course, inspired by my own parents' good faith. We were in that mode of, of, of uh, practicing our faith, my younger sisters and brothers, two, two each, two sisters and two brothers. In fact, the youngest brother was actually born in Augsburg uh, in 1957. So that Catholic family upbringing the priests coming to the home occasionally for dinner uh, and uh, that kind of atmosphere. So I basically grew up in that uh, environment. So I thought I would remember that as I approach more to the end of my life and, and having the resources to do this, I was, it was almost like a moral obligation for me to remember these good priests that affected me, uh, my father Natalie And Father Natalie was commended in that book by Father Sampson, Look Out Below, about the paratrooper Padre's experiences, and he commended Father Natalie as being the best troop chaplain that he had ever met. And Father Sampson actually became the chief of army chaplains, a major general, and I, as a young soldier, had been brought, I had gone over to Vietnam myself and happened to be involved in a briefing to the, the uh, commanding general of the AmeriCal Division, and Father Sampson, as chief, was already visiting the troops over there. And I saw him after the briefing and asked if he remembered me, and he did. And he wrote a nice note to my parents about that encounter way back when. I should point out for our uh, listener that we're talking to you by phone from the uh, Dallas, Texas area, which you, where, where you live now, right? 
I am staying here temporarily. I travel around a lot. I, because I was in the Army uh, as an Army brat, so to speak, a military brat, as so many of our, our people are, and, and then later on as a priest, I've, and then as an Army chaplain, I've never, I've only been in four four years in one place. It's the longest I've ever been in my life, so I, it's like I have to be on the move somewhere to visit family or friends. I've got relatives. And your home diocese, your home diocese is Savannah, my home diocese Georgia. Is Savannah, yes. And so you grew up in. I had gone to high school in Columbus, Georgia, at a Catholic school there, Pacelli, uh, Eugenio Pacelli being Pope Pius the Twelfth. Uh, so anyway, I went to high school there, and eventually, after priestly formation with the Mary Knoll Fathers, a Catholic Foreign Mission Society of America, and uh, hoping to go overseas, but they recommended coming to a, a diocese. Columbus is part of the Savannah Diocese of South Georgia. So I eventually migrated back there, and it also has home missions, you know, less less Catholic population uh, to be the entire population of Georgia. But Savannah and, and Atlanta are the two dioceses within the state of Georgia. But I'm still one of these, uh, I've got Georgia on my mind. <laughs> so, wherever I am, even if I'm in deep in the heart of Texas or... Uh, you know, uh, out west, uh, visiting my sister and brother-in-law in California and their family, or other friends that are like family to me up in Washington State. So I, I still travel around and help out in different places. Uh, I have faculties in several dioceses. I have to get Archbishop Brolio or somebody in the USCCB to give me kind of universal factory fac- faculties so I don't have to kind of reproduce... Uh, a letter of recommendation and fitness. I do have my cello bread, but sometimes they, they want more than that. Okay, so you started out as an Army brat, and you experienced firsthand uh, how much a difference uh, a chaplain can make in the service. Absolutely. And then uh, how did you discern your own vocation? Well, it, it came back periodically. Uh, I was on a trip uh, one summer in 1958, August, with my parents, just with my parents, I was the oldest child. I went down with another lady, took care of the, the, the younger children, my siblings, and we went down on a trip to Italy, and we saw many places, of course, not just tourist spots, but churches and some relics, like the Eucharistic Miracle and Lanciano. And eventually we went to... Uh, Rome, of course, and we were able to go out in August that that summer. Some days we went out to uh, Castel Gandolfo, and Pope Pius Twelfth, Papa Pacelli, as they called him, was the pontiff. And I remember being with my parents and a great crowd in the square of the castle, you know, the enclosure of Castle Gandolfo on a Sunday blessing. Pius appeared in the window. He was greeting people. When he greeted the people in English, a great uh, group of sailors from the U.S. Navy that were based in the Naples area all threw up their white hats, you know, you know, Viva Il Papa or whatever they said, but they were appreciative of that, and that struck me as a young boy. I was about 11 years old. And looking up at the pontiff, I, I just had the feeling I was, it was like looking at Christ. So that really affected me there. 
and that kind of and then I would see other boys in the area, not not at Castle Gandolfo so much, but in the process of visiting in Italy, and they looked like they were shorter than I was, and I was a pretty short kid. They had these robes on like they were the cassocks. I was surprised. Are they in the seminary already? So I got to thinking about it, and uh, it stayed with me periodically in the different years. I was at this high school in Columbus, Georgia, where my father was assigned to Fort Benning in my high school years. It was called Pacelli, and so that was like another link. And I considered the leaving at the time, but I didn't. And then I, after graduation from high school, I went on and four years more, those two periods were the only times I spent four years in in any one place, uh, so then the four years in college at the military academy, so that's... Uh, you went to West Point? My, I, I am a West Point graduate of 1968, uh, 51 years ago this month, or next month, and anyway, I'm old. And so uh, you're at West Point. You're uh, studying to become an officer in the U.S. Army. Uh, you graduated, you, but I, I I actually considered leaving at one point to leave for the seminary. One of our classmates, I guess, after the sophomore year, second second year, uh, he uh, went into religious life or went to discern religious life. He subsequently left. I found out later, but I got to rethinking that vocation again. But then I continued on and went my merry way for several years before I kept getting called back to this vocation that, thanks be to God, the good Lord was patient with me So you grad- my wanderings. <laughs> so you graduated from West Point, you get your commission, what, what then? Well, we had the normal training, and I myself went to the Airborne School, the Paratrooper School, expecting to go to uh, Germany with an airborne unit, which didn't happen. They changed orders, and along with most of my classmates, we went to Vietnam at least for a year. So I was in an infantry capacity for a while, and then I reverted back to a briefing officer. And then later, then we went elsewhere, more training when I came back from Vietnam, and then to uh, Germany and Italy. I was in Vicenza, Italy, for, for a year and a half, having been a year and a half earlier in Augsburg, Germany again. And then I resigned the commission and did some further studies for a bit and then entered the seminary in uh, 1975. uh, Then I was ordained for Savannah in 1981. Okay, so you're serving as an officer in the U.S. Army, and all the while uh, you have in the back of your mind, you might want to become a priest. Well, it, it actually, some friends, some Protestant friends, in fact, gave me a book called The Novel, based on the life of St. Paul, uh, The Great Lion of God. It was by a, an author, novelist named Taylor Caldwell. So anyway, it was a, her speculation, but it, it sort of weaved in some of the Acts of the Apostles accounts and some of the letters of Paul describing his kind of conversion and then zeal for the Lord. So that affected me, and I started thinking about it again. But it wasn't until I got out of the service and was studying international relations and exposed to the music uh, program at University of Southern California in Los Angeles, and out that I started thinking about it again, uh, 
And uh, so, so I left. There was a Mary Knoll development house, recruitment house, right outside the campus of the university in Los Angeles. And I went into Mary Knoll from there. One of our most famous chaplains was a Mary Knoll, Father Vincent R. Capadano. Yes, yes, I had done a report on him, coincidentally. One of his classmates, um, a priest, I think also now deceased, was uh, at he was teaching homiletics at the at uh, Marino in Ossining. And he asked me to go to the, uh, let's see, it was the Memorial Day service and to give a little talk, and he gave me the write-up on Father Coppola. Now, this is before his cause was presented, so just on the heroism from the chaplain's point of view in general, not so much for the, you know, the virtues, but the, the write-up, and so I quoted from that uh, description of the Medal of Honor of Father Capodanno. Yeah. I, I believe he's buried back with his family, though, on Staten Island. Uh, For the benefit of our listener, I'm sure most uh, of our listeners have uh, heard of Father Capodanno, but for anyone who hasn't, he was a U.S. Navy chaplain, killed in action in Vietnam in 1967. Mm-hmm. He later received uh, posthumously the uh, Medal of Honor and is now under consideration for sainthood by the uh, Catholic Church. Yes. So um, when did the moment of decision come to enter the priesthood, enter seminary? That, that was in uh, 1975 there at, uh, it's interesting, I was at another civilian parish uh, going to Mass on a Sunday. At, well, I was actually I was trying to go to daily Mass by then. But I was also, on that particular Sunday, another priest came from another parish, and he said something in general. The church needs single young men for the priesthood. As I discreetly looked around the church, there weren't too many single young men (laughs) in the congregation. This was in early 75, I think. It was like, do you mean me, Lord? (laughs) So I, I... I, I was convinced that, that I was dilly dallying around too long, avoiding going in. So I, I went into Marinol. You know, I think I had seen a copy of a Marinol magazine in the uh, in the church, that particular church. So then I got with the priest that was the head of the house in off campus in Los Angeles, there at USC, and then he guided me into Marinol. Very wonderful priest who's now deceased who loved Our Lady, and he was in Latin America most of his priestly service. So this was 1975 that you joined the Marinolds? Yes, and I was there for about three years, and it was because I had some difficulty at that time with the radical form of liberation theology, which is another story. So, we, but it, so they recommended coming to a diocese rather than to stay with Marinol. Understood. But I was oriented to go overseas to Africa, uh, with the East Africa, they had some missions in Tanzania and Kenya, and I think Uganda for a while, and other places in Africa, but as well as other parts of the world. Back to Father Capodanno, in fact, uh, back to him, he had been a missionary in uh, Taiwan. Of course, the Red Chinese had taken over China mainland, and then he volunteered for service, as, as you said, as a Navy chaplain. But he was well known, of course, by his brother priests in, in Asia, and 
I mean, the Mary Nobris, and then also, of course, back uh, back at the seminary in Ossining. So anyway, these priests, are the, the awareness of them, I'm already in formation with Mary Noel, and I'm convinced that I, I wanted to go overseas with the missions, but then I discerned uh, when others were in the right place at the right time to bring me in, though I was not formed for the Diocese of Savannah, but I was still oriented back there, and so I'm very happy to be a priest of that diocese. So how is it that you wound up a military chaplain? Okay, that's interesting. My father, who was a career man of 30 years, both World War II and the latter part of his time in Vietnam, he said, well, because I had gone to a reunion, a 20-year reunion, some of my classmates, even those that were not Catholic, were saying that, you know, the the, uh, army needs Catholic priests, chaplains. So this led me to think about that, and my father said, well, at least ask the bishop if you can get in reserves and then go from there. And that's what happened. The bishop eventually let me into the reserves in 1990. Uh, and Father Sampson had some, still something to do with that, even though he had retired. So I didn't have to go back and do a basic course in chaplain's school, because I had already had the infantry basic course at Benning. And and so I went right to the advanced course, which, as I said, was at Fort Monmouth. And that's where I saw that plaque honoring the late Father Joseph Natale, who was an instructor at the uh, chaplain's school as a, as a young major. When he died of leukemia, he was only 43 years old. So again, back to these two priests in whose honor uh, I made that memorial scholarship. So the Army Chaplain Corps uh, at least influenced my vocation to become an Army Chaplain. And I, I, after the, I had come back from Desert Storm. I was a chaplain with the 101st, in fact, with uh, at Desert Storm. But the 101st had become an air assault. They weren't an airborne division like the 82nd anymore. Uh, so anyway, that was my coming full circle. And as a matter of fact, I retired from the Army in 2007 at Fort Benning, where I had entered the Army training, at least the military academy. I went from Benning, where our family was living. Well, you came full circle. And you retired at the uh, rank of uh, lieutenant colonel? I did, yes, after 20. I had a full 20 years accumulated, accumulated 20 years active duty. And 15 of those were as a chaplain. Yes, indeed. And aside from Desert Storm and Fort Benning, you served in a number of number of other places too, like uh, Darmstadt, Germany. I was uh, in Darmstadt before the retirement uh, years at Fort Benning. I was in Fort Eustis, Fort Hood, uh, Korea for a year uh, near the DMZ, and also down farther south in different parts of Korea, but another part of Korea, I should say, and, and uh, I was also in Honduras for a TDY, six-month TDY type of thing. And, and during your 15 years as an active-duty chaplain, uh, and this was uh, up until the year 2007 when you retired, the Army was already experiencing the shortage of Catholic priests, correct? Yes, it, it was. It, it seems like it has had periods of ups and downs, because I came back out of the Army not too long after Desert Storm, uh, because the Army was downsizing then, a reduction in force. 
um, and, and so I went back to the Diocese of Savannah, took a, past, a parish priest. I was a pastor in a mission area, and then two smaller parishes or mission churches uh, in our southern part of our diocese. So then I went back on as the need started for priests started uh, increasing, uh, increased need. And then I stayed uh, full retirement. But there's always going to be a shortage, and now it's gotten worse. And, of course, the Navy and the Air Force also are experiencing shortages, the Navy serving also the Marine Corps and the Coast Guard. In your experience, how important is it to have a chaplain available? Well, you know, I've met very good chaplains of other Christian chaplains, and even occasionally a Jewish chaplain, very fine. Uh, But if you don't have a Catholic priest, at least nominally a percentage of our troops and their families are Catholic, maybe 25%, I don't know if it's one out of four or exactly, but if you, you have some good Protestant chaplains, but they don't have the fuller Catholic faith, especially you don't have the Holy Eucharist, you don't have the Holy Mass, you don't have the full sacramentalization and communication of the sacraments. And back to Father Capodanno and like uh, service uh, uh, chaplain priests in combat situations or in critical situations, you don't have the anointing of the sick and the care of the wounded and dying. And the, you have some very good people doing that for all all troops, you know. But you still need the sacraments. And the uh, chaplain is the only officer that uh, another officer or an enlisted person can talk to in total confidence in the military. Correct. That's right. That's right. And there's there's some case to be made for not having ranks in the uh, well, at least in the Catholic priesthood. I understand. I don't know about Canada, but I think they don't have ranks. There, there could be commensurate pay increases or responsibility increases as you progress in age and experience. But anyway, yes, the confidentiality is there at all times. As far as the chaplain goes, the numbers are very sobering right now. We're down to fewer than 200 Catholic chaplains in all branches of the service. And uh, 25% of the service is Catholic, but only about 6% of the military chaplain corps now is Catholic. And as you mentioned, that means that uh, the uh, military personnel will sometimes go weeks without access to the sacraments. So when the Protestant chaplains step into this vacuum, there's always the possibility that they may be recruiting uh, the personnel to their denominations. I don't attribute bad will to any of the Protestant chaplains in that I've, I've met, like I said, some very good Protestant chaplains work with me, whether I've been in a leadership or supervisory capacity or being supervised by senior Protestant chaplains. So just like in the Catholic priesthood, you've got the good, the not-so-good, maybe sometimes occasionally a real bad apple. Well, Father Michael J. Cerrone III, uh, retired U.S. Army chaplain, Thank you so much for talking to us today, and thank you for your generous donation, a donation of $50,000 to the Archdiocese for the Military Services. I should point out, anyone interested in uh, donating, uh, providing much-needed funds for this Archdiocese, this global Archdiocese, can do so at www.millarch.org slash donate. 
And any uh, young man listening who is considering a call to the priesthood and a possible call to military chaplaincy can uh, email our director of vocations, Father Aiden Logan, uh, and uh, you can reach him at uh, vocations at millarch.org. Father Cerrone, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been my pleasure, my joy.